The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 222 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst whose work you can find at MMAJunkie.com and find me five days a week on MMA Junkie Radio, but... On this year's podcast, the Protect Your Neck podcast, we break down high-level MMA. And today, yes, it is today because I am actually, well, late for you know most of the world, but early for old Dan Tom, recording on a Friday morning. That's right, I sacrificed uh, breakfast as proof of this half-eaten bar that I probably won't get to sitting next to me, and a lot of sleep. But uh, a lot of you complainers, actually, not, 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 not a lot. There's actually mainly just supporters and actually a lot of just positive vibes out there. So I appreciate that. But uh, even some of my more loyal listeners were a bit fed up, and I don't blame them, to be honest, with uh, my late uh, my late episode, so I apologize. Uh, further proof that, <laughs> to the better interest of my health, that I'm listening and trying to get things sooner. But as you know, these crazy, ungodly uh, schedule stretches, you sprinkle in some extra duties. Uh, Dan Tom doing the most writing he's ever done in his life, and just a lot of writing in general. Plus, you know, recovering from a surgery, or your restructuring of your abdominal, abdominal wall. I'm sure you all can catch me a Brit. Uh, ah, can cut me some slack. Don't worry, I'm not going down that path again, because we're on a limited time today. And even if we weren't, I'm not going to torture you like I have been with my personal woes. This is about UFC 222, but we are going to do a quick, very quick recap over UFC Orlando. No, I did not inject speed. I have been coffee-free, but forced myself, hence with the sacrificing sleep, forced myself to work through the gut problems that I promise I won't get into, uh, and, and drink some coffee that usually was bothering me, and... Uh, Took some antacids before. No need to. This is a little too much personal information, but I actually felt great about drinking the coffee, and I'm I'm wired like I imagine somebody who, what speed feels like. This is what it probably feels like. Boy, being sober for a while has its uh, weird effects. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, UFC Orlando again. A lot of times when I do bad in picks, I do really good in plays. And when I do, you know, decent, fair to Midland, which sadly is a good average and consistency rate for picking cards and picking uh, things, you know, it's old Dan Tom will miss those key plays. So it's like you can't have one without the other, at least for me, you know, <laughs> uh, of late at least. Uh, you know, my, my admittedly, my percentages have went down a bit. But we went six for six in picks, but we did go three and oh in plays. Um, you know, granted, it was a pretty chalky night. The Torres versus Andrade over hit. It was right where it should be, and surprisingly didn't inflate much higher than I thought it should have gone, but it didn't, so I played it. Um, Hill versus Moreau is kind of like a play we're going to get to later in this card, just as far as the sample sizes went, whether you like the fighters or not, whether you thought they have high ceilings or not. We kind of knew what each had to offer, and it was more just a play on the matchup. And sadly, let me some Ben Saunders, but I also let me some Alan Joban, and uh, I... I just saw that one going that way, so we played the inside the distance at a low entry chalk of, um, I believe, minus 112. 
and that hit as well. Um, Evans versus Steemit, uh, Evans versus Stevens. Yeah, they lack of sleep and high injection of caffeine is going to do some funny things. Bear with me, folks. Stay on target. Stay on target. Um, yeah, and then that's been kind of unpacked by everybody at this point, including uh, us at MMA Junkie Radio, which thank you guys for your support. Thank you for participating in the daily polls. Um, I know some of them, you know, might have topics like, uh, you know, with, with, with Rousey or things that are going on that maybe, you know, uh, it's, is this really related to our sport? But when stuff comes up, like these real controversies, it's nice to be able to have kind of a vehicle to weigh in your guys' thoughts and be able to touch in on it. So we've been doing those videos, if you notice. So again, thank you all for tuning into the show and supporting the show. Because um, as, as you know, since um, part of the reason why, why I've been brought on and just our big effort at Junkie Radio, we're just really making a big push there. So thank you. Um, and that's all I'll say with that. Thank you, Junkie Nation. Um, but yeah, that, that wrapped that card. Uh, pretty good card, right? Um, overall, I'd say, what, like 8 out of 10, especially with the way cards have been going lately as far as if we're judging just action. Um but yeah, uh, thanks and shouts. Uh, John John Rico, my man coming into town. Um, I'm going to go see the fights with him uh, tomorrow. Okay, UFC 222 here in town, Las Vegas. Going to go see that. I don't think I've been to fights. Actually, believe it or not, the T-Mobile Arena. I know I, I work and cover and I, I don't go to these fights. Um, and I usually just watch them from home or with some friends. But uh, last time I was there, I think it was UFC 200. And so it's kind of... Crazy, I think like last time Kat Singano, who we'll get to later, was there. It was UFC 200. And last time, I think some other fighters were there. I don't know. We'll, we'll, but uh, anyway, shout out to John John Rico. And also, um, shout out to the listener of the show, at Luke underscore Gowans. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Luke, for your support of the show. Uh, we were chatting earlier. As I chat with many of you, by the way. And and, and um, I joke and I talk shit, but, uh, but I'm always, I always try to at least, I think I do, make it a point to say that I appreciate the conversation and intelligent conversation that that this uh, this show tends to draw with people. And, and uh, even though I'm too busy and and easily distracted, um, I definitely don't mind those type of distractions. And, and uh, even if I take me a minute, to get, it takes me a minute to get back to you guys. I, I definitely appreciate it. So thank you. Uh, Bellator 195 is tonight. If you are listening to this tonight, uh, assuming a Friday, or if you're listening to it Saturday morning before the fights, it already happened. Uh, I just did a breakdown of the main event for that one. Just the left it at that. Uh, Landro Higo versus Darian Caldwell to to more of the budding bantamweight prospects. I, I took Caldwell. I think if the wrestling's going to make the difference, but you know Higo more ways. Excuse me to finish on paper. Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt, uh, developing Muay Thai game. Really looks like Jose Aldo in the way his frame is structured, and the way he carries himself. Um, but yeah, no odds for that one still. When I wrote it up, and still yet, which is weird, there's odds for like every other event. You know, there's a couple couple events going on this weekend, and I don't know what's going on with odds makers. You know, I'm I'm bad about drama and behind the scenes thing. Like you think I should be, like especially for the field I'm in. But I'm I'm honestly not. I'm only, I've only recently picked up win this week of kind of a, a regime change of odds makers and numbers makers. Um, having conversations with. Uh, with uh with some of y'all uh with some of y'all about it about those trends uh, Aaron Bronsteader being some one of them shout out Aaron by the way uh, who was, I was probably gonna give a shout out later on in the episode anyways uh, for something coming up that me both me and him talked about but but yeah um there's definitely been you know it, it makes me feel less crazy knowing that at least because yeah these past couple of weeks there's been some head scratchers and. You know, but I've been scratching my own head with my own picks, so, you know, who's to fucking say? But, but yeah, uh, it's been noticeable, I guess is what I'm trying to say there. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know if that has anything to do with it. We'll see. I would imagine Caldwell would be slightly favored, but it would be close either way. Um, anyways, neither here nor there. We're on a limited time schedule, so let's get into UFC Triple Deuce, UFC 222. Um, <clears throat> as as per usual, I'm going to be pulling up odds here, and we're going to start from bottom to the top, fight pass FS1 all the way to the pay-per-view main card. Really, Tommy, before the Germans get here. Um, who's texting me? Oh, that's, I don't need that. Um... All right, yeah, the first fight is going to be Jordan Johnson versus Adam Milstead. Uh, always like me some Adam Milstead, not just because we recently had him in the studio, but uh, after his win, I believe that was his debut fight over Chris Delocha. Um That was a fight I was at. That was, a, that was another great example of a good fight night. That was like the Stevens Burrell, uh, Cody Garbrandt versus um, Ricardo Almeida. It was just like firefights all the way through. And uh, De La Ocha, it like... You know, it had a bunch of fans like at the cheering section, and that was extra noticeable because not only were they all dressed in unison, but they were all you know it's it's, it's their early like fight pass prelims, so everything stands out more because the arena is not as full, especially in Vegas compared to other other cities. And so you just have this big contingent, you're like oh man, this guy must feel good, like he's you know he's he looks like he's got the Fernando Gonzalez diet going on, and you know he doesn't look like anything special. And you're like, but he's got a fucking support system. I good for him, right? And uh, he ends up getting knocked out by, by Adam Milstead. It was like that classic like Simpsons cartoon where the crowd just goes from cheering to, oh, and they lean down. And you literally see like half of them just start like dissipating and walking away. Like, <laughs> so classic. And then after the, uh, after uh, the, the, I guess, I don't know if it's official fighter after party, but like half the fighters, at least the ones who won, were there uh, getting down. And Adam Milstead was having a good time with his... Uh, <laughs> with his lady on the dance floor, uh, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. But uh, he's a character, man. Uh, but that that being said, the pick here is Jordan Johnson. I'm, I'm not willing to throw money in down. This is the next prospect because heavyweight is kind of easily to stand out as the next pros- prospect. But you know, as a gambling man or a fantasy player, Jordan Johnson is a guy uh, that wrestling heavy process. You know, as as, as a fan and spectator, might not be pretty, but yeah, as a gambling man or a fantasy player. Maybe a little more worth bang for your buck, especially that takedowns will be his path to victory here. Um, and don't get me wrong, you know, Milstead is is no slouch. He's been he he's an athlete all his life, but he's also been wrestling all his life, and he comes from a wrestling heavy region in Western PA. A lot of wrestling camps, a lot of, a lot of wrestling in his camp, a lot of wrestlers in his camps. You know, it might not look like it from his fight against you know an anomaly like Curtis Blades in a weight class that he probably shouldn't have been competing in in the first place, as he admittedly said. Um, so. Don't write him off so quick. That being said, is he a better wrestler than Johnson? I don't think so from the footage I've seen. I could be proven wrong. He could hit some kind of stride. But coming off of a knee injury, a layoff, you know, he's really got his, his chip stacked against him here. Um, so I'm going to be going with a process-driven Jordan Johnson. He also makes the fantasy reason, uh, fantasy ah, roster for that reason, uh, be, being a takedown-heavy guide. And um, he makes the official props. Jordan Johnson by decision plus 125, uh, half a unit. Uh, there is no parlay pieces for the betting article that will be hitting the streets soon if you're listening to this right when this comes out or it should already be out by the time you're listening to this in general. But uh, the reason why there's no parlay pieces and I'm bringing it up now is because Jordan Johnson would have been one as far as inflation, but most things got inflated. And again, I don't know if I was quite ready to say, hey, Jordan Johnson is your guy um, for sure. 
But I do see this fight going to a decision. Guys coming back from injury will tend to go from decision. They're, they're trying to get their deer leg, Bambi legs back underneath them, so to speak, figuratively. And um, Jordan Johnson's just a really heavily process-driven guy. He has been chin-checked a couple times, and I'm sure he's smart enough to know that that is Milstead's path to victory. So I don't see him having any reason to change his approach here. Um, so in a fight that's probably going to go to decision, um, and I'm not alone in thinking that why the numbers are, I'll take the plus money angle on it rather than saying a parlay piece where you have to go uh, and find other stuff when really this is just kind of a, a pick your spot kind of card. There's a lot of spots on the card, but they're not parlay piece type of spots. All right, next fight. Caraway versus Stammen. Uh, this is, uh, I got Caraway here. Um, Stammen is a deserved favorite. Uh, I don't blame you for picking him. You know, he's, he's probably going to win being that he is the deserved favorite, but I know, Dan Tom, you say you can't go against your biases, your, your bias shit. Like, okay, yeah, I know, I know, but I, this is tough, man. Again, this two guys, even though Mike Pyle, we'll get to him in a second, he, he's no longer at Extreme Couture. These were like the two guys at Extreme Couture who took the time to know my name, who took the time to work with me on the mats, um, whether it was to beat me up or, or to legitimately just kindly show me stuff or always just honestly just kind to me. And that's really tough, man. It's really fucking tough to pick against these guys, especially in fights where they really do have a chance to win. Um, the problem is it's going to be the takedowns. You know, Stammen's got a great sprawl. And more importantly, he's smart. I mean, he's really adaptive. He comes off like a, you know, a cocky little shit. But, um, cookie little cunt. But uh, he, he, uh, he, uh, no, he's really smart, man. He's a real sharp cat. Like, you could see it. Like, uh, an athlete wrestler guy has no reason to learn lead front leg kicks, and granted, he's BFFs with Darren Crookshank, so that's going to rub off on him, but the fact that he embraced it enough to where he's throwing these kicks, and I'm talking about his regional footage here, he's throwing these kicks like he's the traditional martial artist, and then the next fight, he's wrestling, and I asked him about that when we had him in the studio, and Cody was just like, you know, he was explaining really, really, really surprisingly well how he smartly game plans differently for each guy, and he's looking at what's out there. He's not, you know, just being as cocky as he comes off of, which is something you want to see. Uh, he's a real prospect to look out for. You know, this could be a retrospect where it could be either be a steal that we're getting him for this price, or if my pick comes correct, this is going to be the prospect loss that he has coming as far as UFC goes. So, um, and Caraway's been the guy to do that to people before, let's be honest, right? Perez, Sterling, um, and just winning fights in ways that he shouldn't uh, against guys that he shouldn't, you know, against Eddie Wineland. So, um, you know, the coach thing is tough. You know, we shared a coach in the late great Robert Follis, which sucks. And uh, hey, man, losing losing a, losing a loved one in a different way as far as you know, um, relationship wise. And I'll just leave it at that. Obviously, you guys know what I'm talking about. You know, it can never be easy. I, I know both these two, so it's just. Not as and I'm not the gossipy type, so forgive me if I'm I'm a little reserved when it comes to just being loose of the tongue there. But you guys know what I'm talking about, so I, I get it, um, and I also get that the public is not very high on Caraway. Something that I do staunchly defend, I did staunchly defend going into the Sterling fight. I said, hey, I know I'm biased here, but trust me, this is a stupid line. Like Sterling's awesome, and he's got a higher ceiling than Caraway for sure. But at this point of their careers, this line does not make sense, and I think it, it proved that. Um, being that that wasn't the best caraway, and he still was able to, to go out there. And in my opinion, even though the judge's opinion clearly won two rounds. Um, so don't sleep on caraway, even if you're not picking him. I don't blame you for not picking him, but but don't sleep on him. Um, all right, next fight. Let me try to rip through this in 20 minutes here. Oh, this will be challenging. Pile, like I was just saying, you know, 
another one of those guys, man. Just not just with me, with other amateurs and, and, and other guys too. You know, these, these guys are just so passionate. Like it's no wonder why they're they're heralded so great. Why people say Mike fucking Pyle when they talk about him, whether it's a gym owner, uh, uh, a scrub at the gym, uh, a no name schmo like myself, or all the professional fighters that herald him highly. You know, it's because he big brothers the fuck out of people and is just a badass and just a, but a nice guy at the same time. You know, he just he's just that classic case. He is the quintessential guy who the gym fighter who never brought it into the cage. You know. Dude, when Matt Brown was training over at Extreme Couture, like post-tough, post, post tough, he, you know, not, uh, obviously that was a complete different Matt Brown, but um, even a couple years after that, he would still come come over for some rounds, and he would get wiped and crushed by Mike Pyle, right? But Mike Pyle's on a, on a, on a streak, Matt Brown's on the streak, it's an important, it's an important fight, and you're like, oh, Mike Pyle's just going to do what he did every day in practice to him. But... You you pair you know a guy who, for lack of a better word, not to be disrespectful, underachiever versus a guy like Matt Brown who's an overachiever, right? Always been his career. That's what you got. He just, just ran ran right over Pyle despite everything that happened in the gym. So it's hard to deny that even as a staunch defender of Pyle. I mean these things are true. You know his chin you know looks like it's been expired. Let's be honest. But Otto not known for his power. You know his striking is improving. But it's improving in the sense that he's shifting stances more. He's improving more in his footwork, his combination flow, his confidence. But Otto's never really had that knockout power. He's not a particularly big guy for the weight class. He, you know, I saw him this week and talked to him. He, he looks great, which is good. It's good that these guys aren't cutting weight. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I'm, I'm just saying he's not he's not that sizable threat. He doesn't have these things that have traditionally troubled him. He comes closest to maybe a Brock, Brock Larson, as that is kind of his 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 stylistic type to win this fight, to get on top and, and just stay out of submissions, stay out of those Kimura sweeps and control Pyle. But I still see Pyle as being the savvier, more superior fighter and grappler in those positions. And I dare say, you know, Otto, like I was saying with a lot of fighters, he kind of had that that respect factor for Pyle, which can be dangerous, you know. Um, it might not mean anything, but it also could be dangerous. We'll see. The pick is Pyle. I'm riding with him, but it's on the avoid list because he really legitimately is live, but also my personal bias is attached. So I'm trying to be better about being honest, and I'm fucking tired of going <laughs> like with Sam Alvey and all the other picks, stupid picks that I've been making lately. Um, the bias has been just kind of sending my steering wheel self-admittedly out of control. So I admit it. I apologize for whatever it's worth in these menial things like fight picks. All right, we are on to the FS1 prelims. CB Dalloway versus Hector Lombard. Uh, another fight on the avoid list, and, and for good reason. Oh, by the way, Mike Pyle is on the um, DraftKings list because he's an unsuspecting guy for a low price that will open up, and he can finish. Uh, he he is he does have uh, finishing power on the feet, and obviously submission savvy. I was talking about, but no DraftKings, no nothing play on the avoid list for Dalloway at Lombard. Lombard though rightly favored. I think he gets it. A lot of questions about CB from when you know I, I like CB Dalloway. I was I picked him against Michael Bisping. I thought he was kind of on a little late career resurgence there, but since then he's made some questionable decisions in fights, out of fights, in interviews. Sounds like he's still dealing with injuries from the elevator crash, and I know and that was a serious crash. You know, I know people that were in that elevator uh, personally. Um, shout out to uh, Eric Nixick. but um, but yeah, it was. Uh, <clears throat> th this is a fight that Lombard should win. Uh, stay the fuck away, though, motherfucker. It's just one of those days. It's all about the dots and Munoz. All right, we're on this shit again. Hopefully it makes weight. So we have a fight because it was canceled on the last night. 
All right, Dan, stop trying to sing Limp Biscuit and break down the fight. This is terrible. All right, John Dodson versus Pedro Munoz's next fight. I've already broken this down on paper. Uh, you can still find it in Image Junkie. Actually, I went to reference for my refresher. So you've had a lot of time, and you've also had a lot of time to do tape on this match. Um, I feel a little better about it the second time around. Um, you know, especially uh, with the quick turnaround and tangible. Now we are back in the United States where the veteran savvy, the guy who made weight the first time, the guy who's probably really motivated to kick some ass and remind the masses of his finishing ability, John Dotson versus Pedro Munoz. And I actually, you know, personally, I like Pedro Munoz as a fighter and stylistically better than Dotson. Dotson is a, is a hair-pulling type of guy as far as, you know, you know me, Dan Tom's a big volume guy, so, you know, Dotson's... Is opposite. He's more opportunistic. He likes to pick his shots, but I don't think that hurts him in this matchup. I think uh, it helps him actually because uh, you got to be conservative and pick your shots against Munoz. Munoz, even though his pressure and offense and technique is getting better, his defense still leaves much to be desired as he's still getting consistently countered by left hands in particular, by southpaws in particular, even in matchups that he's winning. Right? He's he's kind of losing and getting tagged up till that point. Uh, so that will serve Dotson well. Dotson's posture when he strikes, you know, something I'll talk about with Edgar and Ortega. Uh, you know, his posture it serves him well. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I actually see him possibly getting a finish here. So for that reason, uh, I recommended him for DraftKings because a lot of people overlook the lighter weight classes for looking for potential finishers. And I think Dotson comes in, you know, as a reasonable price for a betting line as well, which I'll get to that in just one second. And uh, But for $8,600 on DraftKings, I think he is worth it, especially since I think he can actually get a finish here. Uh, not to write off Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz has a higher ceiling from this point on. But at this particular time, I got Dotson. I also played him minus 165. Just played him at a unit. Just because, again, kind of like a, a matchup I was referencing earlier with the uh, Hill and Moreau's. It might not be the sexiest matchup. You know, again, lighter weight classes, whether it's women or even men. You know, where you're just relying on being technical or you're relying on a weird limited sample size, being the ladies. You can almost get those heavyweight swings as far as not so much not someone's going to get knocked out, but as far as the result and overall momentum of the fight, it, it swings heavy like a Texas Hold'em, right? Like you're playing Texas Hold'em, the swings are heavy. Um, so that, that, that could happen, but with everything listed as far as overly inflated stuff too, Closely priced stuff, but justifiably because they are they are close volatile fights as we've talked about and we'll talk about more. Um, I feel like Dotson was it was it was a solid spot. All right, Darius Hernandez. Not much to say about here. Not much uh, footage on Hernandez. But shout out to Rodney James Edgar, um, a man who was a former training partner. They both come from the Ohana Fight Academy in Texas. Uh, sorry, I probably said that wrong, but uh, I do know I said the Ohana part right because I am Hawaiian and that part sticks. And um, this Hernandez kid sounds like he's got a great mindset and a great future about him. And the wrestling he showed looked really explosive. Still some stuff to be desired with his striking, but he knows what he's using it for. He's closing and gaining entries. He's got force behind it. He's committing. He's, excuse me. Um, he's doing enough to gain his, the respect of his opponents, but that's the key. His opponents have not been obviously at this level. Now he's making a jump into the deep end of the water against Benil Daryush, who can counter with his left hand, who can come forward with left hands and kicks. Um who's very underrated wrestling, and of course, we know about his toted, uh, touted ground game. Uh, I don't blame you guys for playing Benil inside the distance, which, let me see if I have that line up uh, in front of me here. Um, Dariush got ballooned up to 400. He was going to be possibly a parlay piece, not to disrespect Hernandez, but that's way too high. And uh, I want to see what Hernandez got anyway, so I didn't, I, I didn't end up touching this. 
But uh, I don't blame any of y'all if um, you ended up uh, playing uh, Darius in this spot. Inside the distance, still minus 125. Wow, that's actually really reasonable. Um, that could end up being... I, probably, I, may, I may go play that personally. We'll see. But uh, that could be end up being one of those retrospect uh, best spots of the night. Kind of like, I think, like Demetrius Johnson versus Wilson Hayes, where it was like plus 110 or plus 100 pretty much all of fight week for Johnson inside the distance. So, okay, all right. Where's the where's the net at? Is it going to drop down on me when I click yes? What's going on here? Uh, but, you know, so if, if you see it, just, just jump on it. Jump on these things. Uh, all right. Uh, <clears throat> next fight. Uh, Yoder versus Dern. Um, you know, line inflated. I don't know about that. Uh, essentially, kind of the same opinion that many do. Dern is showing fight-to-fight improvement. She is showing, you know, uh, to take her MMA seriously. Um, despite, you know, her troubles with the scale on the regional scene. Uh, she is a lifelong martial artist and competitor. Uh, you know, um, I enjoy watching her fight. I am not a, a, one of her haters by any means. But I do stress caution um, in these fights where they heavily promote these gals, and again, I hate saying my, my words on here so much, my, my, my hot words, but sample size, sample size, sample size. That's what it comes down to with the female fights. It's not because they're females. It's nothing against females. It's because the sample size makes it volatile. Uh, from even your better-known fighters, it's still, it, still gets, it, still gets, it still gets tricky in there. Um, and Yoder, I can see what they're trying to do here. You know, She is a fighter who relies on scrambles and grappling to win, hence that will play into Dern's strength. Right? Well, Yoder, even though she's a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, she is deceptively experienced, deceptively better grappler than her resume appears, especially when you count her amateur background, where I've, where I've seen her compete in, in, in this circuit and, and against people uh, live before, and uh, kind of watch, watch this girl come up. She still hasn't been submitted as a pro or stopped as a pro, and, uh, and again, when you watch her grapple, she's deceptively savvy, you know, like she will do dangerous things like, you know, when she swims in for a single or will kind of turtle to stand, which can kind of give your back, especially against a dangerous back taker like Dern. But she's one of the few girls who are utilizing certain hip bump turtle sweeps. Uh, and it sounds really like heady, I know, but just go look up one of the best turtle players. And you hear Dan talk about turtling all the time in his breakdowns, written breakdowns and on here. But go look up Eduardo Tellis, my probably my favorite grappler in, in the gi. And he's He's been in Nogi too. He probably was most recently seen in one of the EBIs, even though it was a much older version of Tellez. Um, and he plays from the Turtle. And Turtle thought to be one of the most vulnerable spots, but I'm a big proprietor of especially from my training under catch wrestling coach Neil Melanson. Shouts Neil. Um, and he turned me on Eduardo Tellez because he kind of saw my grappling style where I was just kind of swimming in for singles, singles and always trying to opt to re-wrestle uh, into the fight, which sounds great in theory, but you know, I'm not the best wrestler. I'm not the best scrambler. So uh, I tend to get my back taken a lot. So... Looking at this guy, kind of helped me combat certain positions. And if you go watch him, you'll see him, uh, Eduardo Tellis, who's essentially the size of a welterweight, doing absolute open weights against world champion heavyweights like Gabe Gonzaga, and him just going turtle and inviting him, like how guys go to the guards, just come to my guard, bro. Tellis will just go turtle and, uh, and and allow a guy come to him. And you see Gabe Gonzaga, a fucking big heavyweight, just like treating him like he's an electrically charged sand shark, like just walking around circling him, like tentative, scared what to even engage or take his back because Tellez is that fucking good from Turtle. Now that's not that's not Yoder by any means, but I'm pointing out when I say these things or when I reference these things, kind of a good point of reference. And I just want to give Eduardo Tellez some love. Um, as I'm giving Yoder some love here, back to the point. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, and this was uh, the shout out to, uh, by the way, um, Aaron Bronson. I just want one of the things, aside from betting lines, we were we were talking about. So I definitely wanted to give him credit here. I think he was more on 
he'll probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was more on like this fight goes to decision, and uh, and uh, I'm sure he had his own own reasons for that. But I guess my reasons when when, when looking at it, um, I'm not completely sold on Duran's takedown ability to facilitate those terms and uh, capitalize on Yoder's scrambling, which I just explained was underrated. Dern still doing a lot of treetop and a lot of more basic jujitsu-y, what you'll see pass for the competition you'll find in female jujitsu tournaments, even at the higher levels. Not necessarily competitive, wrestle-based, uh, fighter-fueled, barrier-induced you know, uh, barrier environments that you get in MMA, which completely changes the, the game. Uh, so, you know, she's had mixed success and has been forced to stand. Luckily, again, during showing improvements in her stand-up. But so is Yoder, who, you know, operates from a southpaw stance. Now, nothing to write home about. I'm not imagining she makes anything worth of note. I, again, I still see Dern winning this fight. But I, what I'm trying to point out, durable southpaws who can grapple um, and hold themselves well uh, can make for a deceptively tough fight. And I see this deceptively tough fight going into the third round. Um depending on what performances you've seen of Yoder or Dern, that's when they've kind of shown some glimpses of, of them starting to tire. So I could see see if a, fight, if a fight is going one way. I could see Yoder, you know, proving me right in her defensive savvy, but eventually succumbing, right? And I think it's willing to take that shot because essentially fight does start, the fight will start round three plus 110. You're essentially getting plus odds for betting on a shorter time limit for your typical women's total of two and a half rounds. You're only betting that the fight needs to go two rounds and you're getting plus odds as opposed to your normal minus 265 standard. So for that reason alone, I feel like that was worth it. I'm going to skip the break to kind of push through and jump through and hopefully avoid editing uh, all the main card stuff. I'm going to be zipping through, but the main card breakdowns you can find on MMAJunkie.com for in-depth. Uh, I got Cat uh, Zingano here, essentially. Uh, you know, Caitlin Vieira, I believe she's got a much higher ceiling. She's going to be a contender for this, maybe a title, a future title holder, but I'm still not sold on her pace. Uh, her punches, her pace, my numbers show to be there, but she clearly... For me, to me, shows to tire and lose kind of the pop in her punches and takedowns come the third round where a girl like Zingano gets going. Zingano, it's hard to get a read on her stand-up because she almost has like a magnet where she kind of runs to the clinch. And on paper, that's really bad, right? Aside from the layoff and other things that she's dealing with, uh, having to come back through, which again, she's she's come back through, through her whole career if you look at these crazy layoffs. It's an anomaly. And you're allowed to have these anomalies because again, sample size, you're allowed to have these anomalies in the women's division. Remember, the women are still in Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz three era while we're up while we're over here in 2018. I'm not saying that as an insult, but that's the truth. You can have your Randy Couture's, a la Mary, Marion Renault's that can still come in and dominate. That stuff is going to be much more common and a lot less common as we see now in the men's division. That's just a fact, not a knock on the ladies here. Anyways, like I was saying, uh, Zingano can upset if she survives the storm. Really good from the front headlock and the clinch as well, except. Her clinch is a lot of fucking mean knees and elbows, and um, she can get uh, Vieira pressed up against the fence. Who Vieira, whether it's striking or grappling, still hasn't shown answers for pressure. You know, um, in the Kelly Fassel's fight, you go look at the third round of that. That's going to kind of spell out what I'm talking about here. So, uh, you know, that with the anomalies, I think this fight is deceptively closer than it seems. I think the line is going to bring it closer than what I think Sharps will think because it's a sharp play on Vieira. I don't blame you for, for playing here. Uh, it's on my avoid list for the the reason of uh, uh for for that reason because you know she's the deserved favorite and it and, and it's gonna be very much a sharp play in retrospect but uh, you know yeah and I do admit that you know the popularity of Zingano 
probably, you know, in Singano, there's, by the way, there's probably a little bit of a bias of <laughs> the studio might pick here. But, uh, but no, honestly, the, the, you know, she's, there's probably a lot of that playing on a lot of the better, so that's what's going to make the line kind of tight. Again, it's just a weird volatile on the line from a lot of angles. I suggest stay away, but Zingano could be a sleeper for that reason with the takedowns, the propensity to finish, work, and put out significant strikes and ground and pound. She could be quietly a big scorer and a big upset winner um, on DraftKings, so she makes my team for that reason. Struve Orlovsky, heavyweight affair. Kind of crazy. You know, by heavyweights, you, you should stay away because, again, we all know the swings there. I shouldn't have to explain it because um, I already kind of just explained it uh, with the flyweight and, and lighter weight class analogy and how I feel. But this one... Again, kind of like uh, the other the other angles I'm talking about, where forget about heavyweights, we're betting on more what we know about these guys, and these guys have one of the more consistent sample sizes. That said, they haven't been the most consistent fighters. Um, Struve kind of been inconsistent his whole career. Whereas Olovsky's one in blocks, right? He's good, then he's bad, then he's good, then he's bad. It's more stretches, and he was in a really bad stretch. I don't think he can keep going on a good stretch. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he loses his fight. Struve is the deserved favorite. I just thought the line was really stupidly wide. And apparently it opened even wider than what it is now. So uh, I got Arlovsky straight up plus 155 at one unit for I hate the word value. Shout out to Joey Odessa, bagel shop. Hate the word value, but there is there is a bit of that uh, there is a bit a bit of that there. You know, Orlovsky since moving to American Top Team, like I've cited, like we've seen a lot of veterans doing, kind of rejuvenating themselves for one reason or another, and we saw that with Orlovsky, man. Honestly, no, he looked great, and I mean that in all complimentary, no shade in that statement at all. Like I'm really glad he made that move. He looked like he reopened the doors to his arsenal. Uh, he opened the cabinet, and he's using all the tools now: his left hand, his uppercuts, his leg kicks. He's always had underrated body work. Uh, which was something I was looking for because Struve is, is, you know, even in his last fight, though that the body work, if you look, it wasn't the right hands that actually drops him. It was the body work that changed the tone of the fight because you see body work, uh, not uh, the body work consistently hurt Struve every round in his Volkov fight, even the rounds he was doing really well in. That they were stopping him up, and that's something you go back, you look, you see, kind of consistently through. Now with Orlovsky's improved combination work, he has an excuse to go down to the body more, and it's going to serve him really well. Uh, I see him hitting his strafing right hand, uh, you know, come by the time the second round hits, maybe even in the first, um, to knock Struve out. So I played him straight up, and also again only seventy four hundred dollars in DraftKings, so a lot of bang for your buck there. Uh, so I took Orlovsky. All right, O'Malley versus Tukumpat. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, shout out to, to Ben Folks, my colleague, who, uh, it was funny, I was going to, like, I'm saving the Disco Stu, uh, not Disco Stu, I'm saving the Sideshow Bob reference, because he reminds me of Sideshow Bob with his haircut, but then fucking Sean O'Malley comes with the straight up That 70s Show fucking outfit, and uh, props to Ben Folks on, on with the Disco Stu reference, man, because he looked like Disco Stu, so yeah, we essentially have Disco Stu versus the Asian Sensation, or as I've called Andre Sukumthat. In the past, the poor man's Jose Aldo, and I don't mean that as an insult, uh, just kind of like his Muay Thai style. Uh, again, I, I'm going to kind of brevity, I'm running against the clock here, so I'm going to go fast, but <clears throat> I essentially think uh, O'Malley should be the deserved favorite, but this line was open stupidly or something, like like a minus 260 O'Malley, and then it's adjusted, so now we're a little closer where it went to minus plus 135 O'Malley. Crazy swing. Public, obviously, is on O'Malley, so it's going to bring it a little closer. Now he's in more of that cat sing Zingano range. Well, actually, Cat Zingano inflated uh, uh, up more, but uh, O'Malley around that plus 210 range. 
uh, Sukumta around that minus 130 range, depending on where you're looking. But uh, I think Sukumta is the more proven fighter. But more importantly, stylistically, I see his counters having play. You know, O'Malley, um, even though he has really good head movement and setups, and he's he's better than just being a flashy fighter. Like, he's really doing... Like, you look past his cockiness, um, he's really good, man. I really like, you know, what I see. You know, I dare say he may even have a higher ceiling too, uh, a decently higher ceiling than Sukumta. No disrespect to Sukumta. But um, right now with their meeting, I think this is the prospect lost time. I think Sukumta has the counters, especially that check left hook that's going to be super live. Because O'Malley, again, though he's, he's improved and is better defensive savvy than what appears, uh, he still fights with low hands and he still has been hurt. Um, and if Sukumtha fights smart, fight or fights smart and pressures, then he could really see dividends. You know, I really like what Sukumtha had to say in the studio. Um, by the way, that interview got on the Embedded Show. Uh, they cut your boy out, but it's okay. Uh, you see my, my co-host Gorge and jo- George on there. But the stuff he was saying in the studio, I really like to hear from Sukumtha. And uh, you know, it was uh, sirens. And it was uh, you know, it was really refreshing. He didn't blame the judges. He didn't blame. Any, he blamed himself for the last fights. And those were all close fights against Morales. And and uh, shout out to, to Shaq from Half the Battle and the Weasel, Alejandro Perez, one of my favorites. Fucking Weasel, right? Anyways, uh, gotta give shouts where shouts are due. But uh, <laughs> even if it's a negative shout, Alejandro Perez. But yeah, no, no, I like hearing that from Andre, and uh, I'm interested to see what improvements he's talking about here. He is the pick. No. No hate to Sugar Sean, though. I appreciate his, his, his gimmick and what his, more importantly, his actual skills as a martial artist. All right, co-main event, Frankie Edgar versus Brian Ortega. Uh, you know the deal. Um, I got Frankie Edgar here. Uh, it's kind of hard to pick against him, but Brian Ortega, if he submits him, would you be surprised? I wouldn't. He's going to be a front headlock away, which was interesting. That's why when we had Mark Henry in the studio, I was asking him you know, about, like, you know, even though he's just a strike, he's not just a strike because he, even though he's, he's mainly working striking with Frankie, obviously that's his specialty. You know, uh, are you guys still being conscious on his roles and on on, on changing posture? Because it's just like you see with Tony Ferguson, it just takes one break in the posture and you're in snap down city um, with a guy like uh, Brian Ortega, and that's all it's going to take, right? Um, and it was just really interesting having back and forth and and some of the stuff. A lot of the stuff I was asking tactically, I waited till off air because Henry is a Henry's a kind of a private guy. When it comes to that, he's really strategic. And it was funny. It was great because I finally had a chance. We've, had, we've interviewed him on the show before. I've gotten to speak to him for that. But this is the first time I got to sit down with him. And it was great because uh, I waited off the mic knowing that. And he was even more like, he was like, you know, we we're talking codes. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, at the risk of sounding like a complete idiot and asshole, can I, uh, can I tell you what I got? It was one of my favorite things I was telling him was try to crack mark, crack the codes when I'm, watch, when, I'm, when I'm watching all the footage that I do. He's like, go ahead. And uh, let's just say I was really good with Eddie Alvarez's. And he's like, fuck, that's why. And I let Eddie pick his. Eddie's fucking stubborn. And he wanted to pick his own codes. And he wanted to use aluminum and all this shit. I like, I like stuff with a, tw- with, a, with a twa in it. You know, with a salich. And, uh, you know, names of your kids. And it was great. It was, it was, it was kind of great getting some confirmation. And then some other things he wouldn't tell me if I got right. I'm like, hey, is, does Frankie mean this? And he's like, ah, I'm not going to tell you. You know, he was kind of keeping it close to the chest. But he was, he was a great sport. And, uh, um, you could tell he was just a student of the game. Now, those are the guys. I love talking to those guys I and mean, those coaches more than fighters, almost to be honest. You know, and uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, me and Henry got along along great. I just uh, I'm glad I picked Edgar because he he left our conversation wanting to um, wanting to pick uh, want, want, wanting to see my breakdown. So I was like, oh, thank God uh, <laughs> I picked the I've picked for Edgar ever since uh, officially doing these breakdowns. So no matter how far back the guy looks, uh, 
Uh, he can't get too mad. But no, no, he's he's a student of the game, and he's he, he's a great guy to talk to. Um, but anyways, uh, that was my alarm to get get the fuck going. So we'll go to the main event: Chris Cyborg versus Giannis Kuniskaya. Um, it almost feels like people are are doing the like. There's no narrative, so now our narrative is like Kuniskaya. We're gonna do the home versus Rousey thing and put our you know kind of safety tweets there, just so we have our things we can retweet. And I'm not throwing shade. Um, I don't blame anybody to do it to be honest. Like because honestly, like this could be it. Like in a sense of like maybe in retrospect, we're like, oh yeah. Kunitskaya was uh, durable, and uh, her weaknesses is being being submitted, and Cyborg was stubborn and didn't want to submit or wanted to stand with her, like we have seen sometimes before. Um, you know, and, uh, what if she goes to a decision and just like upsets a bunch of stupid judges in Vegas? We are in Vegas. Crazier things maybe have happened in MMA. But, but yeah, I'm not willing to, to do that. And if it does happen, don't worry. I won't be revisiting history. So remember that time I hinted at it on the podcast? No, that won't be happening. Um, I, I think Cyborg gets it done. I think she gets it done early, round two or round three, which is actually late for some people's predictions. Seeing a lot of round ones in this fitosphere and from just, you know, mainly the main barometer, uh, the betting lines, seeing where the public face is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's just be expected around one cyborg, uh, you know, knockout, but I think she gets it done on the ground. I think she's smart enough. She's smart enough to fight a conservative fight, you know, even though I, I feel like she should have stepped it up in different areas and just overall, and as far as aggression against home, but, uh, I feel like cyborg gets it done here. I'm not going to wax too much on that. She makes the, uh, fantasy. She was going to make a parlay piece as far as I was going to put a prop for the parlay piece because inside the distance open, it's something stupid. Like, Minus 200 is a gift from the gods, and congrats if you got done it. But uh, I did not. So what I did get on, fantasy plays from top to bottom, Chris Cyborg, Jordan Johnson, John Dotson, Kat Zingano, Andre Orlovsky, Mike Pyle for an even $50,000 in the DraftKings. No parlay pieces for the reasons stated. Props, Jordan Johnson by decision, plus 125, half a unit. Dern versus Yoder does start round three, plus 110, half a unit. Great plays. Andre Olasky plus 155, one unit. And John Dotson, minus 165, one unit. Avoid Mike Pilesack, Otto, Caraway, Stammen, Zingano, Vieta, and Lombard, Dalloway. All right, good luck this weekend. I got to get the fuck to the studio for work. It's Friday morning. Um, have fun. Pour one out for your boy, even though I may pour one out for myself tonight, depending. I know I'm actually kind of feeling better. Uh, enjoy the fights. Bet responsibly. Thank you for the oh, thank you for the iTunes ratings and reviews. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at the PYN Podcast as well as Twitter at the PYN Podcast. Posted by MixedMartialAnalyst.com for the on it and Amazon click-throughs. There's been some new ones. I'm gonna read you off next time when I got time. I promise. But until next time, protect your next.